Okay, good evening. This is wonderful. This is, uh, this is what church is all about. I, I'm, I'm sorry to actually break up the, the conversation, but uh, uh, if I let you carry on, then, uh, which, is, which is nothing wrong with it, because church was never designed to have a guy stand up front and lecture another bunch of guys sitting at the back in rows looking at each other's back of the head. It was never designed to be that. It was designed to be a family that gathers together, and tonight we're going to talk about it, but that gathers together in the name of Jesus, and then someone had something to say, and so they shared it, and they said it, and then all of a sudden someone rose up that could preach a little, or maybe talk a little more interestingly than others. How many of you know that there are people that don't know how to talk? That, that really make you want to go, okay, I heard it. You know? <laughs> okay, cut. And there are other people that you, I mean, you just, you just sit there and they can talk for hours. And, 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 and you're enthralled in, in, in what, what they're saying. And there's a story. And there's a... So that's how church uh, happened. It was, it was a gathering of people that enjoyed each other's company. And not only that, but of course, there was, a, there was a relating that we've lost in the course of time, whereby somebody was protected by a group of friends. And then if they, the whole thing about uh, uh, everybody bringing their goods and laying them at the feet of the apostles and the apostle distributing was very simply church. In other words, it's not, and, and please don't, don't understand me wrong, I did the same thing. So, uh, but it wasn't so that we could pay uh, the, the lights and waters and the salaries of, of the pastors. That, that wasn't. You check, you check in the Word of God and you'll find out that even Paul says, I never robbed you. I came and I worked with my own hands. And, uh, okay, so those, those were other days and there are other... But theoretically speaking, it's a group of people that, get, that gathers together... Uh, because we're friends, and, and because we, uh, we, we want to hear from one another, um, we want to we ch- uh, check into each other's lives and make sure that we're okay, and so on. So anyway, uh, let's, um, let's pray, and then tonight we're going to have an interesting conversation, I hope. Uh, I've had a very interesting few days, so please pray for me. <laughs> uh, Daddy God, thank you so much for your beauty, for your presence, for your smile. Thank you that we don't serve a God that doesn't check with the doctrine of religion, but checks with the beauty of grace. Thank you, Daddy God, that your blood is enough. Thank you that your word is enough, your smile is enough, your presence is enough, that everything centers upon your presence and upon who you are and not who we are, upon what you've done and not what we may do. So thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Tonight, I want to, I want to start uh, chatting about um, uh, viewing traditions in the light of grace. So we're gonna, we, we're gonna, we at least we start tonight. Then I don't know what, what's going to happen next Monday. But uh, tonight, I want to talk to you about communion. Hence the candles. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's someone's birthday, so okay. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it later. 
we, we, we love a moment when uh, we're, we're going to put into practice what church is all about. In other words, rejoicing uh, because some of our friends are rejoicing. Rejoice with those who rejoice and cry with those who cry. You know, don't, don't, don't say there's nothing wrong with me. Thank you very much. Just, just allow yourself to be open to your friends so that they can come into your life and say something and, and, and help you or, or guide you or direct you. Or we'll, see, we'll see tonight some things. But we're going to read some scripture. And uh, uh, the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, we, um, as you know, the, the, um, the, um, the context of communion is covered in all the Gospels, but uh, if, you, um, if you go to any church on any given communion Sunday, you will see that they always use a certain set of verses taken from the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Now, Paul, for, for some reason unknown to me, uses the text quoted in the Gospel of Luke. Not in Matthew, not in Mark, not in John, but in Luke. Okay? So I'm going to read from Luke, and then I'll tell you why he quotes from Luke. But Luke says this. He says, uh, <clears throat> what does he say? Yeah. He says, then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. So, now you know, um, you all know about unleavened, okay? It's, it, it was the absence of leaven, which in those days represented the presence of sin, okay? So we are talking, as I explained to you before, Jesus was, in his life, was um, mainly dealing with uh, the world of Israel, not with the Gentiles, okay? He was, he was ministering to humanity uh, in the position of a rabbi, of a Jewish rabbi. And that's why he kept on hammering on the law. He kept on hammering uh, um, on the fact that if, you, if your hand makes you sin, you must cut it off. If your eye uh, makes you sin, you must pluck it out. You must give everything you have to the poor. You must be perfect as your father is perfect. You must forgive, as otherwise your father will not forgive. And, and, and all, these in, all these impossible things that he lays on the people... For one reason only, to make them understand they need a savior. The only reason why the law was given was to point to the impossibility of mankind to satisfy a righteous God. That's the only reason why the law was given. And like we were talking this morning with the staff in a meeting, um, we, we have the tendency, when we talk about the law, we have the tendency of, uh, uh, as the American put, put it, cherry-picking. You know, we like this, we don't like that. We like this, we don't like that. But you can't do that with the law. Because James says, if you break one item of the law, you've broken the whole law. So, people that don't like the preaching of grace, what do they say? They say, no, but the law is right because the law teaches you how to do stuff, how to be righteous, how to do the right things. And I want to ask you, do you like bacon? Anybody? You like bacon? You're a sinner. You're going to hell. 
Because the law says you can... No, really, I'm serious. You've broken the whole law. How many of you like shrimp cocktail? Anybody like shrimp Sinners, go to hell, everybody. How many, how many of you mowed alone on, on Saturdays? Anybody? I see that that's much fewer people than... But, okay, you, if, you, if you cook, you mow the lawn, you do washing, you, whatever you do on a Saturday, you go into hell because that is what the law says. You, you work on a Sabbath, you break the whole law. So you, got, you can't say, all right, I, I, I will not kill, I will not commit adultery. No, 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 no. You, you get upset on your mule on the way to Cape Town and you go into hell. That's what Jesus says. You call your brother Raka, which I'm sure that nobody calls anybody Raka, uses different forms of communication to, to, to let the person know that we are not entirely happy with the way he behaves on the road. So we don't say, you, hello, Raka. No, we tell him something else, okay? And, and, and we might even use some, some gestures with our hands, but let's not go there. So, the moment you do that, you go to hell. So please leave the law alone. Please leave your performance alone. Please leave your participation to this beautiful thing called gospel alone. It has been done. Right? And I better hurry up because otherwise we're not going to cover. There's a lot of scripture here. Okay, so. The day of London living bread when the Passover, Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. Now we haven't got time to, to discuss this. But this was, particular, was a particular time where Israel experienced two uh, Passovers. Two uh, feasts to Shabbat, to Sabbaths, uh, and the reason why I say this is because uh, uh, Jesus was had to be taken down of the cross uh, before the Sabbath came in. Right now, if the Sabbath is on what we call Sab- Saturday, and he died on, we, uh, the tradition is that we we do the Good Friday, right? Okay, you try and fit three days and three nights between Friday nights and Sunday morning. See, but the Gospel of John says that Sabbath was a very special Sabbath. Because it wasn't the weekly Sabbath, it was the Passover. Which was a day earlier, which makes Jesus put on the cross on Thursday, not on Friday. So you have Jesus on the cross on on, on Thursday evening, that makes a day, 6 to 6, that's, that's how the day is calculated. Friday, Saturday too, three days and three nights, Saturday morning, straight after sunrise. Okay, but anyway, that's got nothing to do with what... But isn't that interesting? When you, when you start reading the Bible and you ask yourself, why does John say that Sabbath was a very important Sabbath? Why? If it's a normal Sabbath, it's a Sabbath. But it was an important Sabbath because it was a Passover Sabbath. It was the Passover before the normal Sabbath. So where do you want? So they said to him, uh, "Where do you want us to prepare?" And he said to them, "Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. 
follow him into the house which he enters. Many, many years ago, I preached a series of messages on the nameless heroes. All the people that don't have a name in the Bible. And that without them, we would have some serious problems. One of them was the owner of the mule, on which the cult, on which Jesus was supposed to. Jesus says, go and tell them uh, to untie the cult and give it to me because the, the Lord has, got need of, uh, has need of it. Can you imagine if the guy, I mean, somebody comes to me and he says, just give me the keys of the BM, I need it. Drive your own mule. Go and get your own mule. What do you want from me? I mean, the guy could have said that, right? But the, he, gave, he gave Jesus the mule. If Jesus didn't have the mule, Leicester, he could not have fulfilled the prophecy of 700 years earlier when Zechariah said, Behold, Jerusalem, your king is coming to you on a colt, the fall of a colt. So he has to fulfill that scripture. He needs a colt. He needs a, a donkey. You don't give him a donkey, we all go to hell. He can't get into Jerusalem. He doesn't get into Jerusalem and he cannot be judged by Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate doesn't judge him. He doesn't go to the cross. He doesn't go to the cross. He doesn't shed his blood for us. One donkey, one person, totally unnamed, without, we don't know who he is, because of that man, we're here today. This man carrying a pitcher of water. The whole thing, again, he had to, we will see that he had to uh, um, serve this, this, this Passover meal. It was his last Passover meal. And this man is carrying this pitcher of water. Now, we don't know anything about him. We just know that for some reason. And let me tell you something else. Watch. He says, then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large furnished upper room. They make ready. Do you think Jesus knew where the, where the, where the room was? He did, didn't he? So why didn't he just tell Peter, go and, go and sit up in the, in the upper room? Because sometimes God wants you to find out for yourself. There are things that God restrains from informing you because he wants you to find out for yourself. There is no value in anything that is told. The only value is something that is revealed. And that's why if you don't hear the Spirit of God when I talk to you, you need to get up and walk out because you're just hearing words. See, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, not reading. See, I do the reading. I hear the voice of God say to me, this verse means this and this means that and this and that. And then I give it to you and, I, and, I, and you hear it. And if it carries any spiritual value, it will drop into your spirit and it will do something. And the reason why you're back here is because somewhere along the line, last Monday, the Monday before, you heard the voice of God. You heard something that meant something to your spirit. And your spirit said, yeah, I like that. See, it's life. Jesus said, John 6, 
John 6, 63, he said, my words are spirit and they are life. My words are not paper and ink. My words are spirit. And unfortunately, we've been worshiping a book for such a long time that we ended up with a bunch of doctrines and a bunch of religion that doesn't mean anything. We hear and we hear and we hear and we hear and faith doesn't come. And sometimes you just hear, you just read one scripture and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And faith comes. Okay, then, so, so they went and found it, guess what, guess what, just as he had said to them. And they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Does that say anything to you? He sat down and the how many apostles? Was Judas Iscariot part of the twelve? Isn't that amazing? Eh? I can tell you, <clears throat> I don't know about South Africa because I had never, apart from Shofar and a little stunt at, at uh, Rema at the beginning of my Christian life, I've always been under the pastorate of one man, Ick. So, <laughs> so I don't know how other people do it. But I can tell you what they do in Italy. In Italy, they will not give you communion if you smoke. They will not give you communion if you're divorced. They will not give you communion if they know that they drink a little bit too much. In other words, they will judge you and they will say, eh, you're not good enough. See, Jesus says, looks at you and he says, boy, I know you're not good enough. So let's do this thing together and I'll help you get better. See, we think, we think when we judge and we condemn and we speak law and everything, I believe somebody wrote me a couple of letters in the newspaper. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, it's okay. When we judge like that, it's because we don't like shrimp cocktail. And we don't eat bacon. And we don't have a, a lawn to mow on, on, on a Sabbath. And we don't... You know, we don't break the law because if you judge me, boy, then you must be perfect. And last time I checked, there no people, no, nobody perfect on this earth. Okay, so we got a problem there. So he says here, uh, then he said to them, with fervent desire, ah, this is such a beautiful epitumeo, tumos, it's, it's a, uh, Thumos, it's, it, it's from the root, breathe heavily. <sighs> there's, there's a connotation of, okay, don't go there. You got the wrong picture right now. Get your picture. Get, Peter, get that picture out of you. You're thinking of something totally out of Bible school, okay? Not, not appropriate. But epithumeo, epi, it's, it's epicenter. Epi, epi means amplified, and tumos means to breathe heavily, as if snorting, as if when you have a passion, when you, when you want to really do something with a passion, you go, you, the, your, your, your breathing increases, and Jesus, we, and you know how we, how we translate that word most of the time in the Bible? Lust. Check. Lust. And in the context... Sometimes lust becomes a terrible sin. 
But here Jesus says, I'm lasting. You see, it's not what you do. It's why you do it. I tell you, you need to last for the presence of God. You need to last for the presence of your wife, of your husband. You need to last for a full life. A life of joy, a life of... Uh, you need to last. There are some things, there are too many pop chips, French fries, people walking around that don't, they just wake up in the morning, live through the day so that they can go to bed at night. They haven't got anything that, mm, that makes you breathe hard. What makes you breathe hard? I tell you, I read the, sorry. I read, I, read, I read the Bible. I read the Bible in the morning and, and, I, and I get something out of it. I breathe, okay, I don't breathe hard, but I breathe hard. My spirit goes, yeah, hallelujah. And just one word and I got fuel for all day. See, that's faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by that, that, that spirit power presence in that word and just comes in and, and okay. So he says, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat it, eat of it, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a fulfilling ahead of this Passover. You remember, what was the Passover? The Passover was, what? The killing of an animal, of a particular animal. Of a lamb or a, or a little goat, because when you are small, there's no difference between lambs and goats. So uh, you, you, could, you, could, uh, you could kill a kid of a goat. But basically, it was the substitutionary sacrifice of something innocent for someone guilty. And that is... The solid foundation that Paul talks about with Timothy when he talks about the solid foundation of our faith is nothing else. It's right throughout the Bible is the fact that someone innocent paid for someone guilty. And that's why we're free. Not because we're not guilty. We are. Today, today you've sinned. Somewhere along the line, you've had some shrimp, some, some bacon, some, you, you called somebody with bad names. You, 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 you did something. I know I did. I know I did. I know I, I, know I was upset with somebody. I know I, 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 in my mind I, I judged somebody. Uh, uh, so, so I did uh, no problem. And unless this had happened, this Passover thing had happened, uh, you do remember then when, when the sinner went to the temple, he presented the animal to the priest. The priest inspected the animal, not the person. See, that's, that's the key. That's the difference between religion. And that is being from the beginning of time. From the beginning of time, the only way in which the, 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 the sin was, well, then covered, now destroyed, was by the blood of a sacrifice. And that's why, that's why God established the Passover right in the beginning of the history of Israel. Because the only way that they could understand 
was by presenting that blood in that tabernacle to a holy God and say, here we are. Someone paid for our sins for one year. So, he says, he says uh, um, I say to you, I will not. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, do me a favor. Kika, go and get me a glass, please. Any, any glass? Oh, Luzal, go and get me a glass, please. Any glass, thank you. Um, then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourself. Take this and divide it among yourself. This is something, you'll see that in the Gospel of Luke there are two cups. Traditionally, traditionally the, the, the table of the Passover had cups for everybody. And then it had one cup that was turned upside down. And that was called the cup. The cup which traditionally, thank you Lizelle, was turned upside down waiting for Messiah to pick it up. So that was the cup. So Jesus now, he's taking, he's taking the cup. Okay? Because we'll see that the other one, he doesn't, he doesn't divide it. He, says, he, say, he takes this cup and he says, take and drink. And he divided, divided uh, uh, he asked them to divide it among yourself. Watch. Take this and divide it among yourself. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Just now he said, I will not do it until it's fulfilled. Now he says, I will not do it again until the kingdom of God has come. You know what is going to happen tonight when we partake of the elements? Jesus is going to be with us, partaking of this. I will not do it until the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God has come. The king is inside of us. Jesus can do it again. See? And, and sadly, the Roman Catholic Church and, and other, other institutions have taken some of these things like uh, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood and everything, and they have religionized them to the point where every time the priest goes, Jesus must come down from heaven and go back into the host and basically die again. That is how crazy religion is. It's called the, the, the doctrine of transubstantiation. Don't worry, you, you can go to heaven without knowing what that word means, so it's all right. Uh, but but that's, what it, that's what it does. So watch. For I say to you, okay. And then he took the bread, the bread gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the only gospel where Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. That's why I know that Paul uses this gospel, because he says, do this in remembrance of me. But I got to hurry. 
Do this in remembrance of me. Okay? Uh, likewise, he also took the cup, another cup, after supper, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which he said for you, shed for you. Now watch. This is the cup of, my new, of the new covenant. In what? In the blood. The covenant is in the blood. Not your blood. My blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Not of you. Don't go down trying to figure out what you've done wrong this week. Eh? We'll see just now when Paul says it to the Corinthians, he says, examine yourself. The church has taken that and has made it like you have to sit down and you have to go through the, the list of sins against sins of the nation, sins of the province, sins of the town, sins of the family, your sins. The, 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 your, you got a, you got, you got this list and you have to go through this, this, this checklist whereby at the end you can say, okay, I hope. I have remembered everything and I've asked forgiveness for everything. The blood is not in the forgiveness. The blood is in the, the, sorry. The covenant is not in the forgiveness. The covenant is in the blood. Okay. <laughs> but that, that, that is how religion hooks you. Every time something points you to your performance, in Christ, drop it. Drop it. Walk away from it. Kick it as far as you can. That's not of God. Your performance has got nothing to do with your salvation, with your forgiveness, with your sanctification, with your position, with your holiness. It's got nothing to do with it. Because your salvation, your holiness, your righteousness has been purchased by the blood. This thing is Christ-centered, not believer-centered. Religion is believer-centered. If you behave right, if you do this, if you do that, if you forgive everybody, if you, if you haven't sinned, if you haven't done this, uh, then you're okay. Then you can... Uh, no, 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 no. The covenant is in the blood. And the blood has been shed. Jesus said. It's done. Okay? So he says. Broken and graved. Likewise, he also took the cup of him. But behold, the end of my betrayer is with me on the table. Okay, that's, that's what we were talking about, the fact, that, uh, the fact that Judas was sitting with him. Now, isn't that amazing that uh, uh, this, even lower than that, was what the table was in those days. It was called the triclinium. The triclinium was a U-shaped, basically it was a couple of rocks with a, with a plank on top, okay? Like this, shaped like a U, okay? So now G, that, you, would, you would eat resting on your, on your left elbow and eating with your right. That's why John was lying on Jesus' breast. He wasn't really lying on Jesus' breast. He was just, they were just like sardines, you know, like lying like this. So he was, he was close to his, to, his, to his breast so that he, you know, he kind of 
looked up and, and, and Jesus spoke to him. So now let's see what, what happens in Corinth. Because we have massacred communion to such an extent that sometimes, I hope not you, but I know of people that feel convicted by the Holy Spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit does not convict you. Check the Bible. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Okay? John chapter 15. The Holy Spirit coming. He will convict the world, not the Christians. But we have the idea that uh, Jesus loves us, God the Father loves us, but the Holy Spirit hammers us every time we do something wrong. <laughs> no, what he does, he goes, hey, don't do that. Like a loving father, he guides you. He doesn't convict you. Convict you, you convict someone who is guilty. Okay, let me carry on. So, 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, Let's read from verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, this, you must understand that Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. Now, Corinth was <clears throat> a mixture of Manenberg, Las Vegas, um, what else? Uh, <laughs> um, what 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 what's that what's that place in 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 Joburg? Elbra uh, uh, and then then El Dorado Park, El Dorado Park, uh, El Dorado Park. It, it, I mean, Corinth was a, a, a harbor town where people were seriously bad, Ser seriously bad. I mean, not you know the, the, this church was filled with a bunch of bionic sinners. You know, I mean, this, 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 this were good sinners. You know, not just, not just any, any day sinners. This was, this was good, good, serious sinners. I mean, they really, really engaged in some serious sinning. I mean, you know the story of the, of the guy that goes to bed with his, with his father's wife. Okay, today they go to bed with anything that breathes. But anyway, so, but, but, but that was already in those days. You see, I mean, there was homosexuality, there was bestiality, there was, you talk, you're talking about, you think, you think today is bad? I mean, Rome, Greece, was some serious, serious, serious sinning going on there, okay? Now, Paul is talking to these people and he says, uh, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. He's talking about them getting together as a church, okay? You don't come together for the better, but for the worse. In other words, you, you, you don't gather for the purpose of worshiping God and loving one another. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. In other words... I heard this by some people that I think they're reliable sources and, and, and you fighting and bickering and fighting with one another and of course nothing like that happens today but uh, in those days it did. Okay, so he says, uh, uh, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Why? Because we're in, in, in the fighting 
there has to pop up something that speaks of truth. All right, so he says, these, these factions are, yay, they must be because, why? Because we are human beings. And so there will always be factions. They say that if you have an Italian, you have a singer. If you have two Italians, you have a pizzeria. If you have three, three Italians, you have a church. If you have four Italians, you have a split church. Two and two, okay? Um, for the must, okay. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Listen, read the Bible. When you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So what, see, we've got this, bless their heart, these are crazy little things that, have come down with tradition because obviously we can't. But this is not what happened. What happened was people getting together and eating. Having supper together. And in that supper, there was the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine. Now watch what happens. He says, for in eating bread, each one takes his own supper ahead of others and one is hungry, and the other one is drunk. This is church. Now, what they did also is that these meals provided food for the poor people of the community, right? So they had these huge meals where everybody brought some food and everything, and they shared and everything. And what happened? What happened is that some of these characters would come in before, the, before church starts and polish the plate, polish the table, walk out and, just, uh, and get drunk and eat everything. And then the pastor would come in and say, hey, who took the bread? I don't know. I where. Who took the wine? I don't. Ah, Peter. You know, uh, and this, this was uh, this way, this thing is based on this when, when Paul speaks later. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? Those are the poor people that come and they find nothing to eat because some, somebody has taken everything. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? No, I do not praise you. And here it starts. From this point, we read religiously. For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, beautiful word, given thanks, Eucharistos. Eucharist. The Eucharist is nothing more than a giving thanks. Don't turn down the music. Don't dim the lights. Don't change your voice. For in reading this, I'll only tell you what I heard from the Lord. And suddenly the, the whole thing becomes summer and heavy and basically miserable because Jesus died. And we need to be miserable. Eucharistos means giving of thanks. That the whole thing of the, of the table is celebration. Do this in remembrance of me. What have I done 
Yes, I've died, but guess what? Three days later, I rose again. Do that in remembrance. Do this in remembrance of that. See? This represents life. That represents life. Do this knowing that there's life, that there's forgiveness, that there's a new start. So he says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, not of you. Do this in remembrance of what I've done, not what you've done. <laughs> but what do we do? I don't know about South Africa. I really don't know about it. I know Shofar doesn't do it. But uh, I'm sure that some churches will, will go through a, a pre-emptying time where they will ask you to examine yourself to, to see and make sure that you're okay and make sure that, that you all your sins and everything. And I always, I always thought to myself, what if I forget one? What if, what, if, what if God said, hey, Mario, psst, hey, Mario, hey, you, eight o'clock last night, yo, Mario, hey, ah, oh, man, no, sorry, can't, can't eat the bread and drink the blood, you forgot about last night, eight o'clock, crazy, 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 okay, so, in the same manner also, in remembrance of me, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often, notice it doesn't say as seldom, it says as often, and we'll, I'll, I'll explain to you later on what that means. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay, you proclaim the Lord's death, until he comes. What does that say? So he's not dead. So what he's saying, he's saying, in that what you're doing, you are declaring the resurrection of Jesus. And that is the reason why you can give thanks. Therefore, and here it comes, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, Enokos, which means, wait, no, it's not the right word. What was it? Liable to, yeah, enokos, no. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it means without weight, without weight, without, not unworthy you, but unworthy, in other words, you don't give weight to what you're doing. What is he talking about? He's talking about the people that are coming and steal the stuff, stealing the stuff and drinking. He's talking about the Corinthians. Again, we took this and we appropriated. And we say, now we, we, you know, you mustn't drink it in an unworthy manner. It says, if you do the stuff like the Corinthians did it, that just came in and, and dishonored the blood of Jesus, because... The, you know, they would come and, and drink the wine and get drunk, and, and it's not the greatest thing to do. Uh, we'll be guilty of the, body, of the body and the blood of the Lord. So we'll be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. We'll be guilty of... There's something in a community sense. You will see now that you're going to be judged. You're not going to be judged by the Lord. 
you're going to be judged by the community that looks at you and say, you are guilty of the, the, the body and the blood of the Lord because you are eating in an unworthy manner. You Corinthians that get drunk. You Corinthians that steal the food of the, of the poor people. But let the man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Da, there it is. It's anaxios. Anaxios. There was the right word. Excuse me. Anaxios, which means... Uh, naxos was, means weight. Anaxios would be without weight. So it's not giving importance, not giving honor. The, this, another word that speaks of weight is the word honor. Honor speaks of weight, uh, something that is heavy. Uh, uh, give honor to something, something, something that is heavy. That wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also, because you honor, you give importance to, to that. It, it's, got, it's got weight. This, this thing says you are behaving in, you are giving no importance to what you're doing. What, what is he talking about? He's talking about religion. He's talking about um, how many people go through the, 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 pra- no, the, the, the um, not the practice. Go, you go through the, 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 the things that you have to do. The, the motions. Thank you, baby. The, you go through the motions, but you don't know what's going on. How many times I said, when you get baptized, you need to understand what you're doing. Because if not, all that happens is that before your baptism, you were dry. And now you wait. That's it. Nothing else has changed. That's why the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because faith, and again, faith, religion has taken faith and, he's, and, and he uses it, it uses it as a weapon against the believers. Because religion will take faith, faith and, and throw it in your face and say, you're doubting, you got no faith. Well, let me tell you something. This is going to sound strange, but if you don't have doubts, you can't have faith. I've asked you a question before already, but tell me what is the opposite of faith? The opposite of faith is knowledge. When you know something, you can't believe it anymore. Because you know it. And that's why God loves you so much that he keeps stuff hidden so that you can dig it out. Dig it out and begin to deal with the spirit of revelation. And keeps. this morning I posted, ah, oh, it was so beautiful, it just came into my heart. I, I post every, every morning. I put, try to put something encouraging on Facebook. And uh, this morning I, I, I posted often a big mountain in front of you is not an insurmountable obstacle. But the means, but the promise of a new horizon. See, it's only when you look at the mountain and say, you know what? 
it looks like I can't do it. I doubt it. I, I don't feel like up to it. I, I, but you know what? I trust my God. And you start walking. And by the time you get to the other side, your horizon has changed. It's a new thing. See, the faith is the, is the command of doubt, not the absence of doubt. The absence of doubt is knowledge, not faith. And without faith, you can please the Lord. So that's why in all this, what he's asking you to do, he's asking you to what? He's asking you to put on Luke Skywalker helmet with the visor. That goes, Iron Man, Iron Man, okay. In front of your eyes, you must always have the finished work of the cross. It doesn't matter what you read, it doesn't matter what you find, it doesn't matter what you hear, it doesn't matter anything. You must always have the, you know those little lines and everything that tells you it is finished. And that's how you must approach anything in the Bible with that in mind. God is not a double talker. When he says your sins and your um, iniquities, I will remember no more. That is exactly what he means. When he says through one offer, he has sanctified forever. Those who have, he has, he has made perfect forever. Those who have been sanctified. That's exactly what he means. When he says no one will be able to take you out of, of, of my hand. That's exactly what he means. When he says, I give you eternal life, that's exactly what he means. Eternal, not temporary. Eternal. When he says, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, that's exactly what he means. When he says, it is finished, that's exactly what he means. But religion will take it and say, no, 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 it's, it's, it's finished, but it's not really finished. Uh, yeah, he's forgiven you your sins, but as long as you don't sin again, then he hasn't forgiven you your sins. And if you, if you get five cents worth of revelation of grace, something like that will immediately go, nah, I don't, don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. That, that. I am forgiven once and for all. I will still suffer the consequences of the stupid things that I do and the, sin, the sins that I commit. I will pay the consequences because my father will use the consequences to train me. And to slap me every now and then and to say, oh, we're going through now a very serious situation with someone that I love. A Christian has done something stupid and he's paying heavily. And, and, and he, he's going to have to. He's going to have to. There's nothing I can do. I, I cannot come to his rescue. So. And it's so sad. Is he going to heaven? You bet he is. Because you don't go to heaven based on what you do. But you go to heaven based on what he's done. The covenant is in his blood. Not in your performance. Okay? So. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you. And many sleep. How did you, have you ever heard somebody tell you that if you eat in an unworthy manner, you're going to get sick? Many times. Many times, that's right. I mean, do you eat, 
you eat with sin on, in, your, in your conscience and anything. That's why they say, at least in Italy, they say, pass the cup. Don't, 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 don't drink it. You never know. <laughs> Rather safe than sorry. Don't, you know, just let it by because you're going to get sick. God, God. And now watch. If I, go, if I ask God, I would, I would zap it like, like flies with the that elliptic machine that chuck, 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 every one of them. I have given my life to save you. And now, because you don't remember a sin, I'm going to make you sick and kill you. Does that, does that compute? But that is the way you, you, you check me out. You ask. 90% of the preachers in Hermanos will tell you, you better make sure that you confess all your sins before you take communion. And what is Paul talking about? He's talking about the idiotic Corinthians that eat too much and drink too much. And that's what he's saying. You're going to die, why? Because you eat too much. Because you drink too much. Because you, you drunk out of your skull every, every night. That's why you eat. Some of you sleep. No, you don't sleep. First you sleep, then you die. Okay? Uh, for this reason, many are weak or sick among you, and many, many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now, that, here comes the judgment. Now, immediately, what do you think? God is judging. Now, God is not judging. God is already judged. He found you guilty. He put you in Christ. He killed Christ, and because of his death, you're innocent. There is no judgment coming for the Christians. We saw it last week. The shepherd will come and separate the sheep from the goats. The righteous from the unrighteous. The children from the slaves. There will be a difference between the saved and the unsaved. The unsaved, the goats, the unrighteous, the slaves will be judged for their work, for what they've done in the body. You go into the joy of your master, into the kingdom prepared for you before time began. Say, I'm not going to be judged. Come on, say, I'm not going to be judged. I hope to God that you believe it. Because that is what the Bible says. The Bible says judgment is death. Not anything else. You didn't die. Jesus died. He carried your judgment on the cross for you. And that's why you are not going to be judged. Otherwise, you can take this book and throw it away. Okay, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. And again, this is because people would gather together around these, these idiots and tell them, don't do that. And then God would do... How many of you have ever... Have, have, you, ever have, have you ever had a, a brother or a sister coming to you in love and trying to tell you you're doing something wrong? Huh? And, and, uh, and if, you, if, you, if you had one ounce... Of, of, of spiritual backbone, you recognize that they were right. 
See, that's a Lord chastening you. He's using people to chastise you. And that word chastise, it's a beautiful word. It's a word that you would use with your children. You don't beat them into a pulp and then kick them out of the house. No, you say, you know what? You need to understand you did something wrong. So either you're small enough for me to whack you behind, or I'll take the car keys, or, but, but that's how you chastise, because you want the good of the person. But your son, I mean, I heard, when was it? Anyway, I heard someone saying, uh, okay, that's what you do to your son. He, he breaks something, and you discipline him, and, and I'm going, yeah, and he remains your son. Because the context of the thing was that when you, when you do something wrong, then God gets really upset and, 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 and stuff happens. He disciplines you, yeah, but when the, night, when the night comes, where does the son go? Goes back home. He might be locked up in his room, no television, no, 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 no cookies, no, no nothing, but he, he goes back home. Amen. Okay. Uh, therefore, my brethren... When you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. See, there's, there, there, there is something. I saw it the other day. If you, the presence of God in the Old Testament was represented by what? By the tabernacle, remember? God gave Moses instructions, and then he said, reproduce it exactly the way I did it. And then in the book of Hebrews, the, the writer of Hebrews picks up the picture of the tabernacle and brings it into the New Testament, and he speaks of what Christ in us is the, is the high priest and everything. Think about it. Think about it. Think, I haven't got time to go through it, but the, the tabernacle was a, was a big square contained within uh, curtains, uh, held up with, 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 with ropes and pegs in the ground. You were coming through the gates, okay? You were coming through the gates of thanksgiving into the courts of praise. You, you would come through the gates from the world outside. You would come in and the first thing you would find is what? The altar of sacrifice. When you come out of the world, the first thing that you must do is you must see the sacrifice. That's it. Nothing else. You must see the sacrifice. The blood shed for you. And I see that as the body. After that, there's a laver. The laver, what, what is it? It's the baptism. Now, the baptism in those days represented becoming, uh, well, it was more for the, for the priest than anybody else. They would wash and everything. But uh, you would wash the, the sacrifice, and it's, and it's a means of being washed completely. We are washed by the, by the washing of the, of, the, of, the, of the reading of the word, Okay. The, we are washed by what Jesus did, by, by, by his blood and by what he's done. So we wash. So then we find ourselves in front of the, the first veil. It's a long story. But anyway, you walk in, inside what do you find? You find the menorah, the presence of the Holy Spirit. You find the table of, uh, of the bread, the, 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 the table of, the, of his presence, and, and the table of uh, incense. And then in front of you, you have, uh, you have the, the inner veil. Okay? So now, what does it represent? Inside the inner veil, what was it? was the ark, all right? And the ark was the, the representation of the presence of God. Now listen to me nicely. 
God lives in, in the holy place, in your spirit. And that is the place where only the high priest could go once a year, covered by the blood. That's the place where Jesus entered. The, the veil snapped open from top to bottom so that we could have access. Right? That is your spirit. Your spirit carries the presence of God. But outside that, in the holy place, that is your mind. And in your mind, all sorts of, all sorts of things can happen. That doesn't, doesn't touch the presence of God. In, outside in the, in the tabernacle, in the, in the body, anything can happen. But that doesn't touch the presence of God. The presence of God is there and nobody can touch it. It's inside the holy of... In those days he chose to live inside this box. Now he chose to live inside our heart. That's why nothing can touch him. Nothing can touch the presence of God. That's why you are holy. You're sanctified once and for all. You cannot be uh, touched by anything apart from that. Now... Um, the, there are, ah, okay, quickly. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, sorry I'm, I'm going a couple of minutes late. Uh, the, the way that the Bible talks about um, communion is communion once, and the word is koinonia, and koinonia means uh, fellowship, communion, participation, okay? And that's where uh, you get together with this idea. You get together with, uh, with the idea of, of partaking with friends, okay? It, it, was, it was a family thing. It was a family gathering. It was friends gathering together. The other one is um, Eucharist. And, of course, that I explained to you that is Eucharistia. It means to, to rejoice. To charis is joy. It's grace, but in, in this context is joy. It can be translated joy or grace because joy and grace are, are linked together. But Eucharis means good joy. It's the giving of thanks. It's the rejoicing about something that has happened. You rejoice because something has happened. You rejoice because someone has paid the price. You rejoice because someone had his body broken for him. And then the last one is the Lord's, Lord's Supper. And, and, and the reason why I say Lord's Supper is because uh, it is, um, you will see just now, that it is something when Jesus says, uh, um, as often as you do it, it's not something that you do in church. You can do it also in church, no problem. But the place where you do this is the place where Jesus did it, with his family, with the twelve with his friends. He was having supper. So when you sit down at your table, a wife and I have communion in restaurants, on airplanes, wherever we find ourselves when we feel that it's, it's, it's a good time to have communion, we have communion. And uh, traditionally, this is the way that the Passover was served. There was a napkin like this, and these are not matzos, these are rosemary and, uh, and, and onion. Very nice, actually. Very nice. Rosemary and something else. But I, I didn't have any matzos, so here you go. 
Well, they got the, they got the holes. So, traditionally, this is how they would serve the Passover. They would put napkin like that. One day, fold over. One day, sorry, this is broken. One day, fold over. One day, fold over. That was the serving of the Passover bread. And the Jews have always been told that this was their representation of um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they would open the napkin, take poor Isaac for some reason, and break him and serve the matzahs to the people. Now, if you understand the New Covenant, you understand that this is a representation not of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's the reason why you take the middle one, which is the Son, and you break it. See? And that's why Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Because what he did, he gave thanks, and he said, now this is not what he did, that's what he did. All right, and it, obviously it, it, it would have been a bigger matzos is one, matzah is many, but we don't know that. But bread is lechem, lechem is not matzos. So anyway, long story. Uh, so he took it, and why did he break it? This is my body broken for you. Why? Because the idea is everything that is broken in your life, your health, your relationships. What he did, he did it so that he broke his body so that your body could be whole. He broke his relationship with the Father so that your relationship with the Father could be whole. You see, I had someone ask me, why did Jesus cry out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he had to cry out, my God, my God, so that we can cry out, my Father, my Father. See, he didn't cry out my father, he cried out my God, because in that moment, Jesus, the human being, was being judged. And God turned his face and judged and cut. Man, I tell you something, Neushatan, the, the snake on the, on the pole, uh, when, when, when Israel got bitten by the snakes and they were dying, that poison, all they had to do was look at Nehushtan. The, 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 the snake on the pole. When Jesus was on the cross, he became a snake because he, was, he carried all the sin of humanity, all the sin of the world, everything that God hates, everything that God destroyed, would like destroyed, everything that is against God, every antichrist spirit, every demon, every, the, uh, the Psalms call it the, the, the dogs of Basham, the bulls of Basham, every demon, everything attacked Jesus and he absorbed it into him. And all you had to do was look, and that thing would suck the poison out of you. All you have to do is just look at Jesus, and he will suck the sin out of you. And that is the gospel. Amen. So, so now, I, I would like to... Uh, Share communion with you. Is that all right? 
please examine yourself. No, no. I will give you. I will give you five minutes and a, and, a, and a list of things. So just remember this. Remember this. That, like I said, this is a pathetic representation of what it was. Okay. It was supper. It was supper. Sitting down with friends, eating. There was lamb involved. There was herbs. There was. You know, the, the, it was a supper. That's why I encourage you, really, I encourage you. When you're home, you know the power of breaking bread with your wife, especially in front of your children. When your children, when, and, and there's, a, there's a whole blessing thing that happens around us, which we've done for many, many years while my children were still, still at home. I would bless my wife and I would declare my love for my wife in front of my children. They would hear dad say, my wife, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I thank you, I thank you for being who you are. You are the love of my life. You can, and express the blessings. I bless you with wisdom. I bless you with beauty. I bless you with... And, and, you, and then the wife speaks to the husband. And she vocally says in front of the children... I honor you. I respect you. You're a man of, of, of character. You're a man of strength. And there are things that the children hear. This is my dad and my mom. You want to make your children happy? Love your wife. And wife, honor your husband. Don't buy them stuff. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. Okay, we, we, we kind of over that. But I'm, I'm, I'm in preaching mode right now, so... Okay, so you understand. So it's a simple thing. You take the bread and you break it. Because he broke everything so that Eddie, you serve your wife. Peter. And you just go give that to Joe. And uh, yeah. And then uh, just send it down the, send it down the way. John, and you don't have to eat the whole piece. I mean, if you're hungry, you can eat the whole piece. But <laughs> yeah, and the, and the thing is, yeah, exactly. You see, thank you, Jesus. This is what it's all about. This is about doing something that that, that means something. And, and, like, you know, you don't have to eat so that we do it together. Just eat and remember what Jesus has done. Mm, sorry, I just, I just walked over the body of Christ. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 butter. Don't, don't push it. I had, I'm not kidding. One day we had, we had communion with, uh, with Fanta. We did, with Fanta Orange. Yeah. We, we didn't have anything else, so I said, Lord, you don't mind. Sorry for the color, but anyway. Yeah, yeah go for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that everything that was broken, you have made whole in my life. Health, finances, relationship. Joy, peace, fulfillment, everything. My life is made whole because of what you've done. Amen. Amen. And then the silly cup. This is so pathetic. Sorry. 
Anyway. Thanks. Don't you want to pass it along, maybe? Thank you. Do we have enough? And when Jesus lifted the cup, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. There's something new that we all expect. New life, new, new joy, new day, new smiles, new, new everything. So remember what Paul says. He says, everything in his word, the promises are yes and amen. So declare, all your promises in my life are yes and amen. Amen. Cheers, Lachaim. And when you say, in Italian you say salute. You don't, you're, suppo you're, supposed to say, you're supposed to say salute to the other person, but Jesus doesn't need salute, so I go salute to me. <laughs> Prost. Paul, you want to share something with us? Come. <laughs> Amen.